0: Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. This is Michael Benner, your host for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. In this episode, we continue with our audiobook version of Fearless Intelligence. It'll be a few more weeks before Fearless Intelligence is posted on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iBooks, and other online booksellers. But you can order it today at FearlessIntelligence.com. Chapter 4. What is the Wisdom of Mindfulness? Beyond knowledge, wisdom understands cause, meaning, ethics, and application, plus a sense of what we do not know. During my career as a broadcast journalist and radio talk show host in Detroit and Los Angeles, I became intrigued by the distinctions around opinion, belief, knowledge, and understanding. I found most opinions are based on anecdotal experience and limited knowledge. Further, belief systems are often distorted by a need to be right rather than a devoted search for truth. So, opinions may be part of a serious attempt to discern the facts, or more often than not, a personal defense mechanism. Of even greater interest to me, however, is the difference between knowledge and understanding. Einstein is quoted as having said, Any fool can know. The point is to understand. Knowledge is accumulated information. However, understanding suggests an awareness of cause, meaning, and application. Collecting, storing, and sharing information is a simple task. It is much more difficult to stockpile and communicate understanding. In the early 1990s, I formed a small networking group called Individuals Making a Difference for Progressive Activists. Our main agenda was supporting people of conscience, no matter their issue. We met in a small coffee shop called the Sunshine Cafe in the L.A. suburb of Glendale. Attendance rarely exceeded two or three dozen people, but the group was well known because our discussion points often came up on my KLSX FM talk show. One evening, a surprising incident showed me the difference between knowledge and understanding. Four young men joined us, who no one recognized. They sat together quietly in the back of the room. After several of our regulars announced their activities and events, one of the strangers raised his hand. I welcomed him to our meeting, asked what project he and his friends were working on, and how we might help them. I didn't recognize the name of the group he gave us. It sounded like some ad hoc committee supporting people displaced from low-income housing by an urban renewal project. But his announcement of an upcoming street protest was loaded with harsh confrontational rhetoric. They promised to challenge the police on this and confront the city council on that and force people to accept such and such I asked him if his group had a permit to demonstrate with the march and rally they had scheduled. He insisted that First Amendment rights superseded the need for any city permits. Gesturing toward the larger group, I said, Well, you folks do as you please, but I think these guys are cops. They're LAPD provocateurs. Agent provocateurs. As a journalist, I was aware of the Los Angeles Police Department's Red Squad, a holdover from the Communist witch hunts of the McCarthy era. Officially dubbed the Public Disorder Intelligence Division, local police not only gathered intelligence on social and political activists, but also infiltrated the leadership of these groups. A paid police informant named Cheryl Bell became president of the anti-war group, the Alliance for Survival, in the early 80s. Another contracted informant, Connie Malazzo, ingratiated herself into the leadership of the L.A. Coalition Against Police Abuse. Sworn LAPD officers also infiltrated and spied upon the United Farm Workers and Vietnam veterans against the war. P.D.I.D. even spied on elected members of the L.A. City Council and groups working to integrate public schools. In 1961, Frank Wilkinson, the founder of the National Committee to Abolish HUAC, the House on American Activities Committee, was imprisoned for one year in an Atlanta jail for refusing to testify to Senator Joe McCarthy's infamous commie hunters. Twenty years later on my KLOS-FM talk show, Wilkinson said he was certain the FBI had not spied on him. But through a petition filed in 1986 under the Freedom of Information Act, Wilkinson received over 132,000 pages of FBI files about his anti-HUAC activities. The mostly inaccurate information had been gathered under J. Edgar Hoover's illegal counterintelligence program, known to secret agents as COINTELPRO. The FBI spied on US senators who opposed the war in Vietnam, including Howard Baker and Frank Church, civil rights leaders, journalists, outspoken athletes, and rock stars. Further, federal agents posing as activists infiltrated the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, the Black Panthers, the American Indian Movement, and community church groups like the Quakers and Unitarians for their anti-war efforts. Secret FBI files were even maintained on the eminent scientist Albert Einstein, a socialist, pacifist, and civil rights activist, even before COINTELPRO was launched in 1956. In 2008, the ACLU collected evidence of Denver undercover police instigating violence at the Democratic National Convention to disrupt and discredit protesters. Four years earlier, There were similar allegations that New York City undercover police staged attacks on their uniformed colleagues at the Republican National Convention. In 2014, U.S. Senator Dianne Feinstein publicly accused the CIA of illegal spying on the Senate Intelligence Committee's investigation of CIA torture during the U.S. overthrow of Iraq's Saddam Hussein. At first, CIA Director John Brennan vehemently denied the accusation. However, he soon admitted having lied and formally apologized to committee leaders. Back at the Sunshine Cafe. A collective gasp had sucked the air out of the restaurant's small meeting room. Three or four long seconds ticked by, before the silence was broken by the timid, awkward denials of our visitors. There was no outrage, none of the indignity the situation might have called for. The previously bold, radical leader suddenly found himself off-script with no retorts or ad-libs. He stuttered and stammered while nervously shifting his weight from one foot to the other. Realizing they wouldn't be recruiting anyone that night, the four men shuffled out the door. After a brief discussion, we took a break. Two or three of our regulars stepped outside for a cigarette but returned quickly to tell us the infiltrators were still in the parking lot writing license plate numbers on notepads. Understanding beyond knowledge. Those undercover police were collecting intelligence information or knowledge about our group as often happens when institutions gather data their knowledge did not extend to understanding the meaning or motivation of our mission bureaucracies are not known for their insight or wisdom I exposed the imposters with no specific knowledge about them because of my radio talk show and counseling experience with deceptive people. Intuitive understanding transcends knowledge, known also as expanded awareness, higher consciousness, and metacognition. Wisdom includes our capacity to think about thinking, to be aware of self-awareness, and consider all that remains unknown. The seeds of this self-awareness and emotional intelligence book, Fearless Intelligence, began in 2013 as a one-day training commissioned by the Orange County California Sheriff's Academy. The job responsibilities of police deputies, marshals, and agents all across the U.S. have become so complex and comprehensive that new levels of professionalism are required from cadets through the ranks of top administrators. In his book, Police Suicide, Epidemic in Blue, John Violanti, a professor of epidemiology at the University of Buffalo writes, Police officers tend to have higher rates of alcohol use than many other professions. A study commissioned in 2009 by the Badge of Life Police Mental Health Foundation documented 143 police suicides in the US, nearly three times the number of officers killed by felons. Alcohol abuse was identified as the predominant factor. An update in 2016 revealed a 24% reduction in police suicide primarily due to a transition from suicide prevention programs to broader mental health intervention by outside trainers. While stress and anxiety have countless sources, the common thread is a lack of self-awareness. An often hostile siege mentality can develop and become reinforced when police and sheriff's academy graduates are required to staff jails for as long as five years before being assigned to street patrols. Training in stress reduction, emotional intelligence, and empathy is needed to build self-awareness and proper social skills. Acknowledging understanding to others. The two most effective skills for managing relationships are attentive listening and verbal acknowledgement. Many people in positions of authority are unwilling to say, I understand how you feel. They fear inferences of agreement or acquiescence. Even the phrase that may be, is often avoided out of a concern it may be perceived as submissive during one of my first classes for deputies and jail staff at the Orange County California Sheriff's Academy a young deputy in the back row raised his hand to say sir excuse me but I have no desire to tell some inmate that I understand how he feels. I expect him to do what I tell him to do because I say so. My response was, yes, sir. I absolutely understand how you feel. Well, of course, everyone had a good laugh, not derisive laughter, but the good natured recognition of just how effective and authoritative acknowledgement can be. The technique we teach is a variation on a well-known sales skill referred to as feel, felt, found. Instead of trying to undermine or overcome customer objections, smart salespeople will imply agreement by saying, yes, I understand how you feel. In fact, I felt that way myself, but here's what I've found. The law enforcement version is a little different. We teach officers and staff to listen respectfully to the complaint or objection, and then say, yes, I understand how you feel. If I were in your position, I might feel the same way. However, here's what we need to do. Arguments are not contests or competitions we win or lose. Wars of words are battles for understanding, not conquest or agreement. Though, surprising to many, we can resolve a great deal of discord without concession by understanding and acknowledging the views of those with whom we disagree. The DIKW Hierarchy Exploding computer technology in the 1980s fostered the creation of a model known as the Wisdom Pyramid or DIKW Hierarchy. Data, information, knowledge, and wisdom. Often attributed to American organizational theorist Russell Ackoff, this pyramid shows a grading of understanding. At the base of the pyramid, we find data. Raw statistics, markers, and measurements. These values can be numbers, words, or simple phrases. The second step is information which is data organized into a particular sequence, like a sentence or equation. Knowledge is information learned from education and experience put into context. And wisdom is the comprehended significance of knowledge, insight about motives, causes, and effects, applications, ramifications, and implications. Plus, an awareness of what remains unknown. In ancient times, wisdom was the awareness of spiritual love between God and humanity that surpasses knowledge. Wisdom transcends knowledge in five ways cause, meaning, application, ethics, and mysteries. Cause. Aristotle described wisdom as understanding causes, the reasons why things happen and exist as they do. He termed the composition of things material cause. Actions, he said, are efficient causes, and interactions are formal causes, and the ultimate purpose of things he called the final cause. Unlike Europe's 18th century Age of Enlightenment, based on reason and empirical science, enlightenment in Eastern philosophy is wisdom, the ultimate spiritual awareness or highest level of consciousness. Various traditions use terms like satori, prajna, kensho, and moksha to mean wisdom, insight, and the understanding of one's true essence. From this perspective, wisdom views the appearance of all material separation as scattered reflections or fragments of a single cause or spiritual source extending beyond the boundaries of time and space. Ironically, the semantics of final cause include first cause, also known as the causeless cause, the unmoved mover, or the absolute. After first cause, everything exists as part of a causal chain of interactions. As the French Catholic philosopher Sertillenges has written, everything we experience appears to belong to a chain of existing things, which cross and interlace indefinitely subdivided into a number of combinations, but where everything is linked up. One being comes from another, which itself finds its raison d'etre in a third, and this third in another. An effect comes from a cause, which in turn implies a third. Meaning. Secondly, wisdom offers meaning. While knowledge may outline the basic meaning of information, wisdom enlarges that meaning with insight, implications, and consequences. Knowledge helps us identify the central elements of inquiry, answering who, what, where, when, and how or how much. Wisdom expands knowledge to include the more substantial meaning of things, the why or why not, the motives and ideals. Julius Caesar was the first to proclaim experience is the teacher of all things, which is essentially true for understanding the full meaning of things. For example, being told not to run into the street doesn't guarantee children will understand why it's dangerous. One day, in a playful burst of enthusiasm, little Billy chases his ball into the street. The driver of an unseen car slams on his brakes, screeching to a halt just in time to avoid smashing into the boy. Billy is traumatized but safe, and now understands why he shouldn't run into the street. Sometimes it takes a real world experience to elevate knowledge to a rich and meaningful understanding application thirdly understanding includes recognition of how to apply our knowledge Bucky Fuller was fond of saying humanity is acquiring all the right technology for all the wrong reasons consumer technology in the computer age is less about solving real problems than delivering products we didn't know we needed, like Wi-Fi refrigerators and washing machines, smart hairbrushes, Amazon's dash buttons, and the Apple Watch. Sure, they're fun and sometimes convenient, but they fail to enrich our lives in any meaningful way. Smartphones are many computers that can perform billions of calculations per second. But besides an occasional phone call, we primarily use them to send brief text messages, play digital music, and snap selfies. The internet has wired the world, but we haven't come close to using our collective knowledge to its highest and best potential, to reverse the impact of greenhouse gases or climate change, to feed and house those in extreme poverty, to abolish racism, war, capital punishment, animal cruelty, and to regulate winner-take-all capitalism for the greater good of all. Ethics. Fourthly, wisdom includes moral and ethical principles. Just as the word love in the Hebrew Bible embraces wisdom, understanding, and awareness, the word heart signifies the phenomenon of human conscience in the earliest epistle of the new testament saint paul repeatedly used the word conscience from the latin conscientum meaning to be aware or to know thoroughly rarely does logical knowledge imply any ethical sense of right or wrong guilt anguish enlightenment, or high-minded moral principles. Conscience, however, is a non-logical, often spontaneous opening to emotional and spiritual realization of moral and ethical principles. Mysteries. And lastly, while knowledge is by definition limited to what's known, wisdom contains awareness of what is not known. This may be the primary virtue of wisdom, the understanding that there is always more to learn. Wisdom requires us to see past our fear of the unknown. The Sufi mystic Rumi described it as looking at the thorn and seeing the rose, looking at the night and seeing the day, to know that the moon needs time to become full. Fear is the feeling of not understanding something, whether or not we know it. So we must confront our fear and all of its symptoms, anger, sadness, heartache, frustration, and confusion, to become more aware of what anxiety and stress represent. Understanding heals by permitting us to release our ignorance, confusion, and unawareness. Imagine how different the world will be once some significant number of us realize we can release fear and ignorance rather than conquer our muddled illusions of danger. Knowing what we fear is a good start, but to resolve fear we must fully understand why something frightens us. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, Knowledge is the antidote to fear. He would have been more precise if he had said, understanding is the antidote to fear. Plato recalled Socrates explaining his reputation as a wise person by stating, I am better off than he is, for he knows nothing and thinks he knows. I neither know nor think that I know. In another fragment, Plato quotes his mentor as saying, I appear to be wiser than he because I do not fancy I know what I do not know. There are four basic reasons self aware people are better at distinguishing their knowledge from everything that remains unknown. Number one, they are fearless, unafraid to face and accept what they do not know. Number two, They continually review their belief systems and release subjective biases, labels, expectations, and judgment, which distort and obstruct awareness. Three, they seek truth over a desire for approval, orthodoxy, or control. And four, above all, they are true to themselves, yet humble, kind, and compassionate the amygdala hijack facing the unknown is challenging the fight-or-flight reflex has evolved as the brain's way of boosting physical strength and endurance whenever we feel afraid stressed or confused however there is a trade-out for this survival response a significant restriction of self-awareness and loss of mental and emotional intelligence. Whether practiced while wide awake or in more focused states of meditation, mindfulness enhances awareness and intelligence by reversing the limbic brain's unconscious fight-or-flight response. Whenever we feel afraid or just confused, an area of the ancient limbic brain called the amygdala elevates pulse, blood pressure, respiration, muscular tension, and levels of the hormones adrenaline, cortisol, and norepinephrine. Further, the amygdala disables the centers of reasoning and awareness in the neocortex to prevent the nuances of logic from slowing down reaction time. The limbic brain cannot distinguish between fear of the unknown and real imminent danger. As a result, our mental and emotional intelligence often gets hijacked when we need it most. Because natural selection favored the primitive humans who reacted without reasoning, their offspring to this day, have inherited traits for becoming less aware and less intelligent when stressed for any reason. Earth is safer now than ever before, but humans still carry the hair triggers of their fearful ancestors, and though less dangerous, our daily problems have become more complex. Increasingly, our personal and social survival depends on expanded awareness instead of physical strength and endurance. Mindfulness practices develop the awareness and equanimity needed to distinguish the fear of ignorance and confusion from the fear of actual danger. Mindful Awareness of Wisdom It is often said that unlike knowledge, wisdom cannot be taught that a person must be wise to appreciate wisdom. Yet those who would rather understand than be right can cultivate a mindful awareness of wisdom through insight meditation, also called vipassana. Do not confuse concentration with mindfulness. Concentration requires single-pointed attention while attempting to suppress and ignore all distraction. The objective of mindfulness is to remain aware of distractions while refusing the temptation to judge or evaluate any of it. Empirical research shows mindfulness meditators to be more self-aware than those who practice concentration. Mindfulness meditation usually begins with a focus on the cyclic nature of involuntary breathing. Variations include watching one's meandering thought stream, or the ebb and flow of sensations in the body, emotional and physical. The intention of mindfulness is to observe each passing moment with curiosity and wonder, but without judgment, labeling, or anticipation. Instead of trying to inhibit distraction or rebuke yourself when concentration breaks, mindfulness meditators accept the inevitability of scattered attention and acknowledge it as soon as possible. Meditators soon realize their awareness can remain unbroken even though their trains of thought may leap from track to track. Over time, we can attain an exalted view of being the observer of our thoughts rather than the thinker, or worse, a victim of our thinking. Self-observation in calm, relaxed states produces the freedom to encourage thoughts and feelings that benefit us while releasing those that don't. Whether non-directed or contemplative, mindfulness meditation is simply a practice of detaching from the mind's perpetual thought stream and stepping back to a place of expanded objective awareness, a moment-to-moment comprehension of existence, which is free from judgment. In his description of mindfulness meditation, the spiritual teacher Sri Dasar Gittata Maharaj wrote, Stop attributing names and shapes to the essentially nameless and formless. Realize that every mode of perception is subjective, that what is seen or heard, touched or smelt, felt or thought, expected or imagined is in the mind and not in reality and you will experience peace and freedom from fear. Western teachers of mindfulness often use Massachusetts medical school professor John Kabat-Zinn's definition. Mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. Mindfulness is not limited to closed-eye meditative states. Our goal is to learn to be mindful at all times. Harvard psychologist Ellen Langer describes mindfulness as relinquishing preconceived mindsets and then acting on the new observations. Looking at familiar objects and circumstances as if you've never seen them before, is called Beginner's Mind, about which Zen minister Shinri Suzuki proclaimed, In the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the experts, there are few. The Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh often speaks about walking mindfully. Walk as if you are kissing the earth with your feet. Considering the act of each step we take as an infinite wonder and a joy will open our hearts like a flower, enabling us to enter the world of reality. Tay, as his students call him, also encourages mindful eating. When we pick up a piece of a vegetable, we look at it for half a second. We look mindfully to recognize the piece of food, the piece of carrot or string bean. When we put it into our mouth, we know what we are putting into our mouth. Some of us, while looking at a piece of carrot, can see the whole cosmos in it, can see the sunshine in it, can see the earth in it. It has come from the whole cosmos for our nourishment, and when you chew, chew only the carrot, not your projects or your ideas. You are capable of living in the present moment, in the here and now. It is simple, but you need some training to just enjoy the piece of carrot. This is a miracle. Introduction to Mindful Meditation Stress management is preventive maintenance for people. Reducing stress supports good physical health as it expands mindful self-awareness. Instead of reacting reflexively to high anxiety and stress... There is wisdom in starting each day with a preemptive practice of how it feels to be safe, relaxed, and self-aware. The intention of stress reduction is to reassure the limbic brain it is safe, much as you would comfort a young child after a nightmare. As a formal practice, there are three basic steps to feeling safe and relaxed. One. Close your eyes. Two, breathe slowly. Three, release muscular tension. Begin by sitting in a comfortable position. Close your eyes and inhale slowly and deeply through your nose. Do this for three or four deep breaths before allowing your breathing to return to its natural rhythm. As you exhale, create and sense the release of muscular tension and emotional anxiety throughout your body. Feel yourself softening like butter on a warm day, or imagine floating on a pool of water when its surface is as smooth as glass. Then gently focus your attention on the bottom of your nose, watching the natural ebb and flow of your body breathing itself. Recognize that you are not the breather, but rather the witness, observing gentle currents of air flowing smoothly in and out over the rim of your nostrils. Do not admonish yourself when you realize your mind has drifted. Simply acknowledge the distraction observing it just long enough to recognize its insignificance then without frustration or self-recrimination gently return your awareness to watching your breath at the bottom of your nose practice this exercise for 10 to 20 minutes each day ideally in the morning if you wish Visit the restroom and drink a small glass of water, but meditate before eating breakfast or consuming caffeinated drinks. Mindfulness and Relaxation Research Scientific research has repeatedly and verifiably shown meditation improves creative and abstract thinking, as well as logic, imagination, insight, intuition, emotional sensitivity, memory, peak performance, conceptual understanding, and overall self-awareness. In fact, there is evidence that mindfulness meditation generates physical growth in mature human brains, not only in neurons and capillaries, but also in the thickness of the brain's predominant gray and white matter. In July of 2006, psychologist Sarah Lazar of the Harvard Medical School conducted one of the first studies to confirm brain growth in meditators. Our data suggests that meditation practice can promote cortical plasticity in adults in areas important for cognitive and emotional processing and well-being, Lazar reported. These increases are proportional to the time a person has been meditating during their lives and suggests that the thickness differences are acquired through extensive practice and not simply due to a difference between meditators and non-meditators. Three years later, Eileen Lutters, postdoctoral research fellow at UCLA's Laboratory of Neuroimaging, used high-resolution 3D MRIs to discover significantly larger cerebral measurements in meditators compared with controls, including larger volumes of the right hippocampus and increased gray matter in the right orbital frontal cortex, the right thalamus, and the left inferior temporal lobe. There were no regions where controls had significantly larger volumes or more gray matter than meditators. Because these areas of the brain are linked to emotions, Lutters added, these might be the neural underpinnings that give meditators the outstanding ability to regulate their emotions and allow for well-adjusted responses to whatever life throws their way. And in 2014, science writer Tom Ireland reported in the Scientific American blog, MRI scans show that after an eight-week course of mindfulness practice, the brain's fight-or-flight center, the amygdala, appears to shrink. And the prefrontal cortex, associated with higher-order brain functions, such as awareness, concentration, and decision-making, becomes thicker. The functional connectivity between these regions, that is, how often they are activated together, also changes. The connection between the amygdala and the rest of the brain gets weaker, while the connections between areas associated with attention and concentration get stronger. The lesson is clear. Relaxation, stress reduction, promotes awareness, emotional intelligence, understanding, and wisdom. So in this sense, wisdom can be learned through relaxation and mindfulness skills. Vicious Cycles and Upward Spirals Not only does ignorance stimulate fear, but inversely, fear promotes ignorance, confusion, and unawareness. Fearing the unknown is a dynamic process that feeds upon itself, a vicious cycle of tension that pulls us deeper and deeper into a paralyzing stupor of painful emotions. Relaxation and peaceful, loving feelings reverse that hurtful cycle to an upward spiral of insight and understanding, which helps us become safer and more relaxed. This positive cycle reveals love as wisdom, peace and harmony, lifting us to levels of higher consciousness and expanded awareness. We need to practice two concepts to shift from vicious cycles of fear and ignorance to upward spirals of love and understanding. The first is stress management, learning to release muscular tension and relax. The second is personal responsibility, recognizing our emotions as personal responses to ever-changing situations. Victims portray themselves as effects of life, resisting and struggling against the flow of circumstances and events. They use fear as their shield and blame as their sword, a defensive, reflexive behavior that debilitates self-awareness. Fearless intelligence reveals the benefits of being accountable for our responses to fear and negativity. On the path of unfolding wisdom, we brandish love as our shield and truth as our sword to initiate behavior for the greater good of all. In naming the design division of his company, Walt Disney borrowed the term Imagineering from Alcoa Aluminum. He was fond of saying, if you can dream it, you can do it a phrase that came to be known throughout Hollywood as Disney magic. Often we are so busy and stressed from reacting to life's problems, we forget our ability to conceive and act upon our imagination. Not only can we make our dreams come true, we can consciously initiate even-tempered, well-reasoned responses instead of reflexive reactions in his classic book man's search for meaning austrian psychiatrist Viktor frankl writes between stimulus and response there is a space and in that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom but as stress expands the space between stimulus and response shrinks conversely relaxation widens that interval allowing us to choose appropriate responses we've all heard the idiom life is what you make it but few people believe it success guru brian tracy says only three percent of us have written goals and less than one percent ever review them instead most people nervously fixate upon the parts of life that appear to be done to them. From time to time, everyone can be caught off guard and victimized. But life is a two-way street, stimulus and response. And the parts that come from us are far more important than whatever seems to have been done to us. The author Charles R. Swindell wrote, Life is 10% what happens to you, and 90% how you react to it. John Lennon knew both sides of this, writing, Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans, as well as reality leaves a lot to the imagination. Both are true. 10 Keys to Mindfulness 1. Be awake. Meditation is the practice of awakening. Be aware of the way your thoughts filter and distort reality. Watch your trains of thought without getting on board. Every moment we spend multitasking, reviewing the past, or worrying about the future is a moment that is lost forever. Awakening occurs in layers and levels. Practice, practice, practice. Two, learn from desire. We can reject urges, cravings, and desires once we recognize their subtle appeal. Notice the pull of procrastination, unhealthful food, the exaggerated need to check email, social media, and TV. Material impermanence includes desires. They will come and go. We need not react. Three, accept people and things. Acceptance is not the end of things, but the beginning. We must accept reality to change it. Accept failure and falling short as opportunities to learn. Accept the inevitability of distractions and notice how quickly they lose their power to disturb you. Accept the uniqueness of others, though they may frustrate and upset us. Accept the impermanence of life by treasuring the present moment. Accepting reality is not submitting or conceding, but simply acknowledging what is true in this moment. 4. Accept discomfort. When we resist pain, we hold on to it. To release pain... We must first let it in and feel it to heal it. Unmanaged fear reflexively holds on to pain, bad habits, and dysfunctional relationships, as if the hurt is holding on to us. The Vietnamese Zen monk Thich Nhat Hanh says, People have a hard time letting go of their suffering out of a fear of the unknown. They prefer suffering that is familiar. Instead, accept and let it go. Five, let go of expectations. Watch your neediness and expectations in every situation, new projects, relationships, and business deals. Drop judgment and your need for approval. The second noble truth is desire, craving, and attachment is the cause of all suffering. 6. Let go of illusions of control. We deceive ourselves by thinking we control things. Occasionally we can persuade or influence, but in truth we have little or no control over what happens to us. By remaining balanced and flexible, we can manage our perception and response. Expect the unexpected. 7. Watch your resistance. The reality of impermanence guarantees a constant need to change and adapt, which in turn promotes stress. Observe your innate resistance to change, distraction, pain, and everything else that annoys you. Impermanence is not the problem. Resistance is the problem. Watch it, and it will fade away. Eight. Be curious. We often get stuck in believing we know how things should be, including how people should behave. Instead, be curious. Let go of what you think you know and explore what you do not know. Allow the joy of curiosity and understanding to replace the fear of needing to be right. 9. Be grateful. Gratitude is virtuous in the value it places on others. Besides being thankful, appreciation also means to grow. Gratitude attracts goodness and loving kindness. Find reasons to be grateful for all experience without separating good from bad. And ten, be compassionate. As you practice self-observation, you will become more empathetic. Empathy without judgment expands awareness, understanding, and wisdom. This is the meaning of love your enemies and resist not evil. Compassion and forgiveness are miraculous gifts to yourself. Exercises consider something you know but don't understand very well for example you're familiar with the effects of gravity and expect apples will fall from the tree you may also know about newton's laws of motion but can you explain how gravity works do you really understand it then reflect upon something about yourself that you know is true do not understand. Ask yourself why certain things upset you. Why do you feel disappointed when your expectations are not met? List a few things you strongly care about and then consider why you care so much. Ooh.